On today's show, the expert himself, Rafael Barlow, joins us to talk about what the Mavs will probably do at 10, what the Mavs could do at 10, who's going to be available to them in the draft, and more. We'll talk about that on today's Locked on Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked on Mavs. Don't believe you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show, making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. Join the Raccoon Squad, be an everydayer. Subscribe or follow for free. Just search Locked On Mavericks wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Where the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and to comment anything. Below, let us know in the comment section who do you want the maps to take with the 10th pick at this point. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. If you want to support the show, text us, get text alerts from us, and uh, and just talk to us back and forth through text. Subscribe to our subtext, click the link in the description below. Joining me today, friend of the show, a co worker, uh, a friend, a Dallas, a DFW. Uh, resident himself, the draft the draft expert, Rafael Barlow, locked on NBA Big Board and the uh, NBA Big Board Substack. What you got for me, Rafael? Uh, it's busy. It's busy. It's <laughs> what nine? I mean, we're, we're I mean, we're close. We're there a week from from the big day. So, been preparing for this since August. So, I got a lot for you, depending on what, say, you, th- what you need. There's nobody that knows this draft class probably better than you at this point. And so we're going to get into all kinds of stuff. I'll ask you about some trade back targets. We'll talk about that a little later. I'll go through some of the players that could be available for the Mavericks and say, what's up? What's our biggest concern about each of those players? I want to, I want to ask about Belial uh, Koulibaly, his rise. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of an interesting subplot yeah. in this draft right now. He could maybe even go before the Mavs at 10. How does that shake things up? But I want to start here. Do we know and do we have a good idea at this point in the draft process? We've done the lottery. We've gone through the combine. We've, you know, guys are doing workouts all over the place. Do we have a good idea of who's going to be available at 10 for the Mavericks right now? On one hand, I want to say yes. On the other hand, I want to say no. <laughs> yes, because I think the the top 14 guys, that range is, is I mean, I think it's pretty solid. It's just in, in what direction I've, I've heard, like the Jazz really like, Bilal Koulibaly, mm-hmm. which means, you know, one of the guards that everybody's projecting him to target is is going to fall, possibly to the Mavs. And and then um, uh, it just depends. Like, so basically we know who's, who's, you know, who they're picking from, but we may not, we just, we don't know what direction teams are going at this point. Like we've been and talking, it's going to be a lot of trades. Like we like it's going to be a lot of trades. A ton of, a bunch of trades. We heard, I heard from like Brian Windhorst today that there's like, like three, four, five, and ten are like all like all could be traded at a certain point in the draft, like in the even, draft process. Even two, even two, yeah. I think even two with with, with Charlotte and maybe Houston. So I think it's going to be a crazy, crazy draft day as far as trades and, and guys just changing spots. Let's do it this way though. There's a couple of guys we've been talking about, and I'm going to ask you and say if you expect them to be available at ten or not at this point. Uh, Jarris Walker. No, I don't think he gets past Indiana. Taylor Hendricks. I think he will be available. Ooh. That's that's one that I've been going back and forth on because I really like him a lot. Isaac's favorite prospect, Anthony Black. I 
think he will. I think he will be available simply because Utah, from what I'm hearing, may target Koulibaly, and they mm-hmm. have 16 and 28, and they may be able to package those two to move back into either the back end of the lottery or right up in the lottery. So I think one of the guards that they like, they can possibly get them. If they don't get them in the late lottery, they may still be able to get them at 16. Let's talk about Koulibaly right now. Blau Koulibaly is the mm-hmm. the wing that played with Victor Reminyama and, and, you know, uh, with the Metropolitan 92, and he's kind of rising. He seems to be the one guy that's rising the most right now from, like, I think some people had him, like, early second round at the beginning of the draft process, and now he could go before the Mavs at 10. What what have you seen from him in this process, and why is he rising so much? Yeah, he wasn't even early second round at the beginning of the draft process. Um, I was at one of his breakout games last year. It was, like, January 2022. And he was the one that I thought is a 2024 guy, maybe 2025. Definitely didn't see 2023. And, I mean, think about it. They played, you know, the big game that everyone saw, the Wimbayama scoot showcase game in October. He played. How many people remember what he did? (laughs) So nobody really remembers. So this this trajectory has really, like, taken off since maybe, I want to say, like, maybe March. And then it's just kind of skyrocketed since since the playoffs. And right now he's playing the finals. They're down two games to zero. So their season could be wrapping up pretty soon. But, I mean, he's really took off in games that really matter and games that are important. And I think that's really helping his case. And plus he's only 18 years old. Yeah. What about him is making him rise this much as a, as a player? He's a really good athlete. But it's like he's, he's very smooth and, and fluid and he's long and athletic. He... He can defend. I mean, there are some concerns about his shooting, but last I looked, he was shooting 38% from three. Not a great volume of attempts. The concern is because the attempts, the, the volume is low, and he's not a great free throw shooter, yeah. but he's just very fluid. He's been able to show plays. Uh, they can make plays with the ball in his hands, but he's a guy that I think the role that he's playing now for the Metropolitans as an 18-year-old, is the role that he projects to play in the NBA early in his career, which is a guy that scores off hustle plays, cuts to the rim, knocks down open shots, scores in transition, switches out, and and defends multiple positions because of his length and athleticism. And so he has a lot of talent. And I I can't think of another player that has grown like he's grown over the last 18 months. Is this somebody that you would target – if you're the Mavs, if he's rising this much and he could go, let's say he's the Jazz don't take him at nine, they're like, all right, we think we can get him at 16. Is this somebody you would target for the Mavs? Um, on one hand, I don't know how much he'd be able to contribute early. And I know I've talked to people, and like the, the biggest thing for the Mavs is that they it's like they don't necessarily want another Josh Green situation where Green has been good, but <laughs> yeah. it's not someone that – they don't want a guy that's going to take him three years until he's a, a reliable shooter. Right. And so they, they're like in this weird timeline, even though their star player is only like 24 years old. So um, I, I think on one hand, long term, he would be a great choice. But I wonder if the Mavs are like juggling between long term and someone that can come in and, and contribute immediately. So they're, they're in a weird situation, which they could possibly maybe trade back. So, there isn't that pressure to like, you know, have your, the guy that you select at ten playing yeah. for the Texas Legends. You know, that would be a weird situation. Yeah, we we talked about that a lot, a lot. And do you buy this this notion that 
okay, we need this guy to come in day one and, and, and produce, especially on a team that expects to be in the playoffs. We've seen the list of guys that have played like 20 minutes a game on a playoff team. It's like Herb Jones, Tyler Hero, Scotty Barnes, Landry Shamit, SGA, Keegan Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Trey Murphy, Desmond Bain. Like these, these are guys that have come in, but they're kind of few and far between. There, there's not many that have, have come in and made an impact on a playoff team early. Do you believe in this concept of, all right, we got to bring in somebody that can, uh, that can come in and make an impact day one? Or do you think that they should trade back because they have to get somebody? Like, they have to get somebody that can produce with this 10th pick. Do you think it can be a rookie? Do you believe that notion? Or do you think that they, they have to trade it out or trade back? Yeah, if it's Derek Lively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Lively can come in and contribute right away um, just because he has probably the easiest and most projectable role as far as based off like what he did in college and I've talked about it at length if he goes to Dallas I think he should immediately be the starting center he has size of 7-1 he can rebound set screens they don't need him to to really score it's not like they're going to give him post touches and expect him to like go to work on the block but he can score as a vertical lob threat and a guy that um you know just gets offensive rebounds and and, and I think that he has he different from playing with a guy like Luca at Duke. He just didn't get touches and didn't get the ball. Yeah. And then he's outside of Wimbayama. I think he's the second best defender in this class, especially as an interior defender. And he fills a position of need. So I think he's the one that can come in and contribute right away on both ends. I, I think like a guy like Grady Dick could come in and contribute and knock down open shots with his right. gravity. But I think defensively he'd get picked on. While with Lively, even though he wouldn't score a lot of points, I think he could be an asset on offense just because as a role man that kind of sucks in the defense, I think that will open up um, open shots for the shooters. Coming up, let's talk more about Derek Lively. Let's dive into him a little bit more as a prospect. What are our biggest concerns with him and some of the other prospects the Mavs could be looking at? We'll talk about that with Rafael coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Game Time. The Game Time app has you covered this offseason throughout the, well, I guess it's NBA offseason, but you can get WNBA tickets, concert tickets. Uh, there's concerts all the time happening in DFW. If I just go to the front page of this, uh, you have oh, Dave Chappelle is coming to the American Airlines Center. You have Cowboys games already. Post Malone, 76 bucks to go see Post Malone in August. That's, not, that's, that's pretty good. You can go check that out, see on Game Time, and see what's available for you in the DFW area or wherever you live. And you can download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNMBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNMBA for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Locked On Maps, being part of the show, part of the Raccoon Squad, and every dayer. We appreciate you all. Uh, subscribe, follow, and also subscribe to Locked On NBA Big Board. Great stuff all the time. You just did an interview with uh, Omax, which is Isaac's favorite prospect. He is like drooling over this guy, and you just did an interview with him. It's a great listen, uh, so go check that out wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Raphael, you, you mentioned before Derek Lively. This is a name that you brought up to me a couple of weeks ago when we when I had you on, before I even really started draft prospect stuff or draft homework or anything like that, and you sold me on him like day one. Like, I was like, all right, if Raphael is true and I believe you uh, – Let's just talk about Derek Lively. What would he bring to the Mavericks day one? Let's say they decide to pick him at 10. They don't do anything else. Is that a, a good decision? And what would he bring day one? I think so. I really think so. And like I said, he has the, the size. I think he's an upgrade over what they currently have right now. Man, I he sure hope is so. A, <laughs> he's a rim protector. 
and a, a, a athletic vertical lob threat that is seven one. He's put on some weight. He's two thirty five now, mm. and he's shown flashes as a, a shooter. May not be in games, but when you watch like his pro day footage, and I know I understand it's pro day footage or whatever, but he made fourteen corner threes in a row. I had a chance to watch him. It's like I had a chance to watch him work out, but I wasn't supposed to be watching him work out. I was just <laughs> <laughs> uploading my podcast late in the arena at the combine, and the the clutch group came in at eleven o'clock, and so I was just watching him just knock down shot after shot after shot, and it made me really believe in his touch. Mm. And so I think that there is upside. Maybe not year one, two, maybe maybe year three, but I think there is upside right. for him to be like this rim runner that could potentially knock down open shots and be a floor spacer. So, but if he's Mitchell Robinson, yeah. I mean, I think that provides provides value for Dallas. Well, so he was the he was the number one player in his high school class, right, coming out. And then at Duke now, he's it seems like he's sort of fallen and he hasn't really been the same level of of prospect really expected. What what happened between him like getting ranked highly out of high school and then through his first season at Duke? Yeah, he, he missed some part of training camp with a calf injury. Mm. And uh, I don't think that was, like, the main reason why his production was so low. It's like when you watch Duke games, you saw that he wasn't even rolling to the rim. And, and I think sometimes if you're just a, a rim roller, college basketball is tough for you because you're probably playing with, like, some combo guard that is, like, <laughs> more focused on scoring. And no and space. And spacing isn't there. So I, I think that college basketball isn't necessarily, like, the best for for those guys. I think the rim rollers and and vertical lob threats are better in the NBA. I mean, you look at a guy like Nick Claxton. Yeah, he wasn't really good at at, at Georgia, but you saw. I mean, the Nets saw like the upside and the potential. And then I mean, he's he's like an effective, you know, effective player for the Nets. And so I think that Lively's bigger. I think he's a better shot blocker. And there was a game against North Carolina this season. I, I don't even know if he scored six points but he was the most dominant player on the floor and he mm. just totally killed North Carolina's offense with his rim protection and I think Dallas needs someone like that I mean and then even rebounding I think um Dwight Powell averaged like 4.3 rebounds per game that's something probably like generous that. yeah so <laughs> the Mavs <laughs> the, the Mavs top two rebounders at least at the end of the season where Luka and Kyrie, and I think Kyrie averaged like five and a half per game. So um, the Mavs are just really small and lively, has some size. I've seen him, by the way, him him going after North Carolina and dominating North Carolina is probably the reason Isaac doesn't want him because Isaac is a huge North Carolina fan, and he's been <laughs> he's been a little against him in this draft process. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk it up to that. He he got, like, this, the stuff that I watched at least, I go on Synergy and I just, like, fire up. All right, let me see every defensive possession. Let me see every you know, offensive possession. I'll just run through him. He, he seemed to get pushed around a little bit by some guys rebounding uh, in the post when he was trying to defend. It seemed like he, he got pushed. You said that he added some, some weight. Is that something you're concerned about on the next level? Or what is your biggest concern for him on the next level, especially in year one? Yeah, I, I think that uh, he definitely needed to bulk up. And um, I think even when he was in AU and the grassroots level, when he had the ranking, he was playing with Jalen Durant. And so Jalen was kind of mm. like the, the the physical interior presence, and he was like the weak side shot blocker. And I mean, imagine going against those two guys as, in high school. <laughs> uh, but I did talk to someone before, and I was kind of low and lively at one point. And the person was like, you know, he's who he, who he's supposed to be right now. It's just 
people fell in love with him and started ranking him high, and now it just made people sour on him. But if he mm. didn't have like the label as the top prospect, people would be looking at him totally different. And I think the narrative has, has kind of changed. But I think he needs to obviously get stronger and, and add some weight. If there was like a concern, is he like tough? Like, is he tough in, in playoffs? And, he, and you figure for, for Dallas, if you want to get out the West, you're going to have to go through <laughs> Jokic. Yeah. So you wonder, like, is he tough enough to, like, I mean, nobody can really stop Jokic. But even, like, you look at Bam. Bam was a guy that's tough and physical, and he fought and made him work, and he still <laughs> had trouble stopping him. <laughs> so I think you have to just wonder, like, all right, does he have the, that that toughness to – defend Jokic in a seven game series or even like a guy like Steven Adams so that would be my concern mm. uh, and then his shot like his shot looks really great I know you said that you watched him work out and but we didn't really you didn't really see it at Duke is this something he's nope. added recently but it, it looks really good to me like his mechanics look mm -hmm. good it looks sound like it doesn't look like it's yeah. you know a fluky thing where he's just throwing up something um, what do you what do you take on on his shot so far yeah I thought there were some flashes of it in, in the grassroots level and mm. I thought he would shoot more at Duke actually like coming into the season my fear was oh he's going to be one of these guys that falls in love with with the jumper too much yeah that he's not going to roll to the rim and he's just going to pick and pop and it just got to the point this season he wasn't even rolling or popping he'd set a screen and basically stand in one spot and then get back on, on defense <laughs> I don't know if it's because he knew he just wasn't getting the ball and on one hand I, I can see that as being a concern but on the other hand, there's a part of me that's optimistic and looks at it like, all right, if a guy can dominate on the defensive end, knowing that he's not going to get touches, if you go back to the old school theory of you reward your big on offense a couple of times per game and he'll right. bring the best on defense. So I'm imagining like, all right, if, you know, Lucas says, all right, the first play of the game, we're, we're going to make sure Lively gets a lob or we're going to you know, make sure there's a couple plays for him. I think he'd even bring more effort on the defensive end. Mm. And Luco is somebody that will reward bigs. Uh, he did not with Christian Wood. So if that tells you anything, it does It does go one way. And then maybe not necessarily <laughs> the other way uh, on it. But, yeah. Uh, if, if Taylor Hendricks is going to be there, you think he may be available at, at 10. Why would it be Lively instead of Taylor Hendricks just as draft prospects? Maybe you take fit away. Uh why would you say lively over Taylor, somebody like Taylor Hendricks, who is exactly also what the Mavs need and a really big wing that can do a lot of things. His shot looks pretty good to me too. Uh, and, you know, like in Phil, a real big need the Mavs have there as well. I don't know why, but I'm just kind of souring a little bit on, on Hendricks. Interesting. Is it the competition? Yeah. Because that's, that's a big question that I had. And I wonder if you take it. And I know you wrote this, that, uh, like he just didn't play against the best competition in college, and he's still he's going to be a raw prospect anyway. And we just don't yeah. know what we really have in him at this point because of the competition he played against, you know, at UCF, and then just how raw he is as an athlete and everything anyway. Yeah, you know, um, and this is probably me just being biased. I wasn't the biggest Jabari Smith guy. Yeah, and I saw him as a guy that you know, a pick and pop guy that you know he's a pretty good defender. I don't know how much of an impactful defender he would be as a four he's going to need someone to set him up and if Hendricks isn't like knocking down shots then I don't really know yeah, what's he doing? like what's what, what's his role because he was 
a really bad finisher at the rim. It was like 44.7% mm. on like non-dunk finishes at the rim. Again, that, that could be something to where, you know, if he has a guy like Luca and all he has to do is roll and, and, the, and there's spacing that he could improve. But for some reason, like my gut feeling is like, you know, he could end up being someone that if he's not knocking down shots, it's just like, what, what is he really, really doing for the Mavs? Interesting. Coming up, I want to ask Raphael, what's one thing you want to know from Nico Harrison about the Mavs draft strategy? We'll talk about that and more coming up. Uh, Locked on NBA's mock draft special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow the entire first round in a six episode ultimate mock draft experience. Only Locked on can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked on NBA Big Board or on YouTube. Wherever you listen to podcasts, go check that out. Raphael, you were on there a bunch. I made the pick for the Mavericks. Uh, won't tell everybody who we picked, so you got to go. You got to go listen to it to see who, who we picked. Uh, but what's one thing you would want to know from Nico Harrison about their draft strategy? Because I'm curious about. All, there's a lot of things that I want to know. Like, okay, what are you what are you guys looking at? What do you value more? What's one thing you would want to know from from the front office about their draft strategy? Yeah, I mean, is it a long term approach or is it when now? Like, is there really this pressure of, all right, let's take a guy that can contribute right away as opposed to someone that in, you know, three years is going to be the better prospect? And, and that would be like my question because let's say Bilal is, is available at 10. Right. I think long term, I think he's going to be really, really good. But I do think that he's, even though he's, you know, playing well in, in, in playoff games and, and he's playing as a professional at 18, I still think that he is a ways away from being like a impactful defender just because of the the lack of size and strength. And then there are some concerns with the shooting. So I don't know if he's ready to come in and contribute like playoff minutes next year. I mean, he's still 18 years old. Yeah. So I wonder, does that, that factor in? And um yeah, I mean, that would, that would be my question. Or or are you looking to trade back and, and then try to pick up like a a veteran that you can that you believe that can help right away and then you you know you, you make a pick later on in the first round? Yeah, I'm curious about about that and how they weigh this new CBA. Where do they look at okay, well we could have this is a chance for us to get a cost controlled young player that will that we we hope or we, we expect to be good for a little while and to make us better down the road, a little lot, lot, lot better down the road than we would be if we just traded away for a win. Now Clint Capella or somebody like that, like Clint Capella is not going to make you better two, three years from now. Cause he might be gone because his contract may be over at that point. But a rookie, if they picked it, if they picked could make them better a couple years down the road and be cost controlled for that. And I'm curious how much they're in fear of that new CBA. That's something that I think a lot of teams are going to have to weigh. And a lot of teams are going to have to make some moves and the Hawks are probably have to make some moves. The Nets definitely have to make a move to try and avoid that that second apron, that second luxury tax. And the draft is a way to do that, to, to grab somebody that is on this rookie scale deal. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about their, their strategy and all that. And I, this this Thursday, like this draft day is, is a massive day for the Mavericks to try and figure out what their, their future is. And if they just take a pick and that's it, like and they, they just select somebody at 10 and don't do anything, then it, it raises not maybe a red flag for me, but like a yellow flag. Like I'm, I'm not really sure if they're taking advantage of everything that they've been given at this point. Now, do you feel like there's really this pressure to win now? I mean, Luca's 24. I don't know why there's like this, 
I don't know, narrative that he's like. The narrative came from they missed the playoffs. Like they didn't even make, they didn't make the whole postseason last year. Like you can't, you can't miss it again, basically, is is the whole thing about it. Uh, You have to be competitive. But he's not, like I could, I don't know, it's just the narrative sounds like he's 31 and he's slowing down a little bit. And I, I just, my fear for the Mavericks are, is that, they end up doing what Cleveland did with LeBron his first go around. You, you, mm. you're just trying to patch holes with with veterans, and you know you're getting like the Anton Jamesons. You're getting these these yeah. guys that are a little bit past their prime. They're still productive, and and they have names. And it's, it seems like you're you're making the team better, but there's really not much long term approach. Yeah, they're, they're, they've kind of like dug a hole in themselves. Like they're trying to dig out of a hole, basically, is what they're doing. Is they they tried the Porzingis thing, it didn't work, and so they traded out of that. They didn't get real, they didn't really get a ton for that. I don't think they did bad in that that trade because they ended up making the Western Conference Finals, but they didn't get a lot for him. And then now you try this Kyrie Irving thing where you do give up a couple of role players and a, and a future first. That, you know that's a big deal for this team. They give that up. They bring in Kyrie. Then you miss the playoff. Like, you lose Brunson before that. Like, that was a, a huge blow. You miss the playoffs. And now, all of a sudden, like, you're in this hole. And I think I think it's digging out of a hole and trying to, like, get yourself out of this hole first instead of just taking the approach of, oh, well, we'll, we'll be back. Like, it, it'll it'll be fine. Like, well, they had a lot of holes that they needed to, to plug. And I think some of it will be fixed by, you know, Luka and Kyrie getting some time over the offseason, getting to, to know each other. One of the things, you know, they were injured at the end of the season, like getting healthy. There, there's just a lot of things that were going against them at the end of that season. But they also didn't rise to the occasion and, and, get, and get and pull themselves up and get to the playoffs. So they have to, to fill some holes because they have to win right now because it's not just about Luka's age. It's about his contract. Like it's about him in like two years could demand a trade and all of a sudden your team is in like one of the, you know, they'd probably get a huge haul for him, but you're all of a sudden just resetting your whole franchise. If that happens, I mean, that, that's where all the yeah. pressure comes from. I think. Yeah, man. And I don't want to like lump all like international players in the same category, but I mean, the track record of international stars asking out and for a trade is, is pretty slim. I mean, is Porzingis the, the only one in, in a sense? Cause I wonder like if, if Jokic, if the media was marketing, has Evan Fournier asked for a trade? <laughs> and the crazy thing is, he said no. Like I've I've heard that he didn't even ask for a trade at the deadline. He was fine, and, and it's because make, his wife was yeah pregnant, and you know he didn't want to uproot his family while she I'll was. I'll just pregnant. make nineteen million and not play and sit here in New York and hang out, <laughs> yeah, courtside seats. So like, I wonder, like, if let's say if the NBA was marketing Jokic like they were Luca and and, and so on and if the nug and, and i know injuries like hurt the nuggets the past two years but i wonder what the narrative be like oh well the nuggets if they don't win <laughs> this year Jokic is gonna ask yeah. out i mean we never heard that once we never heard about mike malone being on, on the hot seat and i wonder if the, it was the exact same situation in dallas where the mavs second and third best players were injured for two years in a row i wonder would there be chatter that oh yeah they got to do it now or luke is gonna ask out and yeah. so well I mean, we saw some of it when porzingis was getting injured like porzingis got injured in the playoffs and it, it just wasn't yeah. really early in luca's career and then he then he did sign that you know he signed his extension that everybody the rookie extension that everyone signs but he signed that and stayed and so now i think i think we're just projecting two years down the road like okay they have to they have to be better two years from now 
uh, like and a lot better, like being able to win a title or else Luca may ask out. But yeah, we haven't seen an international like superstar ask out yet. And maybe that is something that Luca's just fine in Dallas. One of the things I think Luca thinks that I think we underrate is I think Luca thinks he can win with anybody and that he's like, he's more pissed off at himself and, and like everybody else around him for like, why didn't we get this done? We can, cause I can do it with anybody. I can go beat team USA with Slovenia, right? Like he, he thinks that yeah. kind of thing. And so I think that will help that mentality from him will help him stay longer. Um, he saw, he saw the whole end of Dirk. Like he saw everything he saw his entire last season. He saw the way he was celebrated. Maybe that appeals to him. Maybe it doesn't, but at least it shows him that there could be something really fulfilling in life. If you stay with a team. Um, but yeah, it, this, that's, this is where the pressure comes from with, with Luca and the Mavericks. And this draft pick is, I think, a big deal uh, for them right now. A couple more players yeah. I want to ask you about. Uh, mm-hmm. Anthony Black, if the Mavericks pick him, what's your biggest concern if the Mavericks end up selecting him at 10? Oh, man, I like, I like A.B. He's a Dallas kid. Yeah. I like what he brings to the table. But in my opinion, it is just an absolutely terrible fit in Dallas. Mm. I think it's a terrible fit because he's best with the ball in his hands. He is a connector, but he's a guy that there's he has a ways to go with his with his outside shooting. So yeah. I think he can help on the defensive end, but on the offensive end, like are are the other team's defender are they going to guard him, or or is it going to be a situation like the other team's best player guards Black and he just kind of floats around so he can get the rebound and, and push it? So I think offensively, he's I think he's a worse shooter than Josh Green was in the oh, same yeah, stage and so look how long it took josh not saying that it's the same exact trajectory but it took josh what year three to even like have the confidence to really let it fly i well, think with rafael he was leading the league in three-point shooting at one point during during this past season so <laughs> he was but i mean it was like i mean it was a tremendous <laughs> tremendous jump which I, I don't know why he wasn't playing more <laughs> like later later on in the season but um but yeah i mean it's uh, that's why i think like if I think right away, like next year or whatever, I think I don't know what he brings to the table on the offensive end, especially if he's not like playing with the ball in his hands. It's kind of like I was high on Denny Avdia coming into the draft. And then he goes to a situation in Washington where he's not, you know, putting ball screens and he's standing in a corner. And we all knew like shooting was his, you know, wasn't his greatest strength. And so if you have Anthony Black just standing in the corner, I think it mucks up the offense. Uh, last one I'll ask you about is my new favorite draft prospect, Kaysen Wallace. I just see him as like, he could come in and be, he's going to be solid. He's going to be really good defensively. You, I think you said he's the best defender in the draft, or at least the best guard defender in the draft. Uh, yeah. I, could, I just see him as this Drew Holiday, Derek White, Marcus Smart type, like can just guard and can do a bunch of things on offense and just be a, a really good fit. Uh, but what's your biggest concern for him if the Mavs picked him? Uh, the, I guess the biggest concern would be your, I guess, like off the bench, your, your back, your backcourt is, is Harden. I mean, it's Hardy and, and Wallace. <laughs> yeah. And so I think they're, they're both pretty young and I, and I like both of them. I mean, I like Case and I've stoned him when he was a fourth grader. So, um, I've, I've followed him for, for years, uh, the thing that I like about Casey the most is that I think that Kentucky um, didn't really showcase everything that he he can do, and we've yeah. seen in past years Kentucky players they have a, a track record of outperforming where they were drafted, and 
you know, <laughs> and I wonder, is it a situation where the Mavs like made a mistake in a sense by passing up Tyrese Maxey, a Dallas guy and Desmond that's, you know, <laughs> yeah. so a local guy that is that went to Kentucky and Kentucky didn't really showcase everything that he had because at Kentucky, you just have to sacrifice. That's one of the things when you go there, you have to buy in and sacrifice. And so I think that Kaysen has more offense than. Then he was able to show, but he he is a winner. He can defend. He's he's just a no nonsense guy. He'd be a very very like low maintenance player for for the Mavs to to deal with, and uh, I, I do think that he can come in and help. But it's like you 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 got help, but you added like a smaller defender. You didn't really address your right. need for a, a rim protector and and a big wing defender. Yeah, I think he he would fill a role and fit a need the Mavs have. It's just need number like three or four like you yeah. know a, a guy that can can handle the ball a guy that can guard guards which the Mavericks do need but you have Reggie Bullock you have Josh Green like those guys are better at guarding guards than they are at guarding bigger wings and they need somebody to come in and guard bigger wings they obviously need a center we've talked about that a bunch and so I would love like if the Mavs had it had and you know an opportunity or had the the time to take Cason Wallace and their guard rotation was Luca Kyrie Cason Wallace and Jaden Hardy, like, that would be awesome. I think that's an incredible guard rotation. Like that's an incredible foursome that you can, uh, you develop the two guys on the bench and then you have the two stars up front. It's just, it's the time. It's time. Time is ticking for the Mavericks and, and here we are. But uh, there you go. You can go follow Rafael Barlow, Locked on NBA Big Board, all kinds of great stuff. You can subscribe to the, it's a must read. NBA, the NBA big board Substack throughout the draft process. You're sharing, you're sharing news sources, all kinds of stuff. I read one today. Uh, you're breaking down all kinds of stuff about the like Portland, maybe, you know, trading for Zion, that, that whole, like, you know, the, the new Orleans Pelicans want to get up in the draft. That's a, a fascinating subplot you're writing about all kinds of things. So go check it out. NBA big board and the locked on NBA big board podcast guys. Thanks so much for listening to locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. <laughs>